The Mike Wagner Show is powered by Sonic Web Studios. Hi, this is Mia Mohsen Zia, also known as Mia No Time for Love. Check out my latest book, Missing, available in print and ebook formats on Amazon. It's now time for the Mike Wagner Show, powered by Sonic Web Studios and sponsored by international award-winning author Mia Mohsen Zia of Missing. The Mike Wagner Show can be heard on over 40 podcast platforms, as well as HamiltonRadio.net, Diamonds FM, and TheMikeWagnerShow.com. We can be heard in over 100 countries, featuring over 1,000 well-known and amazing guests throughout the globe, and named one of the top 100 global podcasts in the New York Weekly Times, Hollywood Entertainment News, Los Angeles Weekly Times, Apple, and Chartable. So sit back and relax and enjoy another great episode of the award-winning Mike Wagner Show. Hey everybody, it's Mike from the Mike Wagner Show, powered by Sonic Studios and brought to you by official sponsor of the Mike Wagner Show, international warring author Mia Mosesia Missing, available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. We're with a terrific lady who's an actress, director, and producer, born in Queens, New York, known for her um, appearances in um, Bosch, Spider-Man, and the Spider-Man with Mike Morales, or Miles Morales, and uh, also partnered with uh, Johnny Blue, actor, singer, and martial arts expert. And of course, uh, be involved in a project where she's not being an actress, singer, and uh, everything else, director, producer. She has a volunteering and a passion for dogs, basically. It's a nonprofit dog rescue. That was a hobby turned to a passion. And of course, uh, talking about uh, one of her favorite dogs is Dublin, a great female Dane shepherd uh staffordshire or a pit bull type and um just seeing what's going on in these shelters and uh, is going to bring up about that you know a dog lover and she'll be happy to talk about dogs and um there's a movie out which is called the canine condition facing a broken system and part of a podcast and um, understand um why canines are um such an important in society live ladies and gentlemen plus dudes in beautiful downtown los angeles the multi-talented actress director and producer from Queens, New York, now living in Los Angeles, and a new new documentary exposing reality of rampant euthanasia of countless van animals every year to overcrowd shelters. And it's basically a documentary series called the Canine Edition. Once, ladies and gentlemen, the multi-talented Jacqueline Pignon. Jacqueline, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, what an introduction. Thank you. <laughs> well, we're basically barking up the right tree in this one here. You got to say that. So we're not barking up the wrong one, the right one. So we got to say right too. <laughs> yes, for sure. That's right. So you're an actress, director, and uh, producer born in Queens, New York. You're now in Los Angeles. You're known for being in Bosch, Spider-Man, and Spider-Man Miles Morales. And you um have a documentary out which supposes reality of uh, rampant uh, euthanasia of um, countless animals every year due to overcrowded shelters. And you have a, basically a new documentary series about Dublin, a female pit, Great Dane, um, from uh, mixed from a Los Angeles uh, pet shelter. And you have what's called the canine condition facing a broken system, which is not just a movie, but also a podcast as well. And before getting all that, tell us how I first got started. Um, you know, with my passion for dogs really started because we adopted Dublin. Johnny, my husband and I, we 
had no idea that there were dogs up for adoption. Um, we just happened to have found her as a stray. And in, in our city and, you know, many cities around the country, if you find a stray dog, you find the local shelter because somebody could be missing their dog. Mm -hmm. So you found somebody's dog. And so we took her to a shelter nearby the area where we found her thinking, surely somebody's looking for her. And she was a great dog. You could just tell. I mean, you just had this easy connection with her. Um, when you visit a shelter for the first time, you go, oh, what is that dog and that dog and that dog? And, that, and there's just rows of dogs in, in kennels, which kind of look like jail cells, let's be honest. So, mm -hmm. you know, that doesn't sit well with you. It was hard on my heart. And, and I hoped that her owners would, would be looking for her. And nobody ever did. We definitely touched base with the shelter for several weeks. Um, and then they finally said, you know, when we get full, we have to start euthanizing the dogs to make room for the incoming dogs. So the ones that have been here the longest or the ones that are of a certain breed because they're harder to adopt out, meaning the pit bull type dogs, the Staffordshire, the American bulldog types, they go first. And that did not settle well with me. So that started our journey into not just saying, hey, this isn't right, but what can we do about it? And who is doing something about it? So our documentary series is really more to empower the viewer and citizens in the United States to find people who are doing good things, places and organizations and volunteer organizations that are doing right by dogs. And let's jump on board their missions. Let's support those groups because we need to grow the numbers of good people and the good organizations so that maybe we can outnumber the bad or the people who are just not caring enough to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. um, and that became our mission. So we, we shot our documentary on our own dime. It's a self-funded independent project. And we wanted to give everyone an idea of what's happening around the country with the canine condition. Mm -hmm. And what was that one precise moment that simply influenced you into what you're doing? It's like, what was that one precise moment that gave you a light bulb and said, this is what I'm going to do here? What was that one precise moment for you? When the lady at the shelter said, hey, do you want me to call you? Um, do you want to be first call? She said to me. And I didn't know what that meant. And I said, what does that mean? She goes, Oh, before we euthanize her, we can call you and give you a chance to adopt. But if not, we have to euthanize her. And I said, oh, my gosh, that was like the light bulb went off. Like, this is not happening to just me. This is happening to thousands of dogs around the country. And surely other people are doing what I'm doing. Or what if other pet owners haven't gotten the chance to find their dog and their dog gets euthanized before they can find the dog? So all of that was keeping me up at night. And, you know, as an actor, as a professional and being in the industry and having access to other friends who love animals and who are editors and cameramen and sound, you know, production, I just, I got a crew and I said, guys, let's do this, help me. And everybody was on board. Nobody turned away from helping dogs and, and helping humans, you know, and helping dogs, we are helping humans. We are helping families. Um, learn to keep their dogs, to vet their dogs properly, to find help, to find resources so that they don't abandon the dogs. And I think the biggest lesson I've learned walking away from the documentary, because we're done filming, now we're just doing festivals, is spay and neuter your pets. We need to help people spay and neuter their pets and 
helping families understand that if you're not ready to take on a dog, because it's a big responsibility of raising a child, don't get a dog and don't give a dog to anyone because you're handing them a child for 18 years. <laughs> uh, that's you know? if the dogs last long. That's the thing. So <laughs> just like I, my dog, I was telling you off the air, uh, she's who uh, she only lasts about 10 to 12 years in Beagle Box. I think about like, maybe 12 to 14. And I think the smaller dogs, what, like six to eight, like chihuahuas, poodles or something. And, wow. uh, and, and since we're on the subject about, um, you know, having a child, you know, 18 years before the legal and everything. And, um, and of course we talk about some of the, uh, longevity of dogs and uh what is like the um the shortest lifespan for a dog what breed and the um longest lifespan of a dog so for the great danes those really large breeds and the mastiffs we're talking maybe seven to ten years you know especially the purebred great danes which there are a lot of them and when people are fixated and stuck on wanting a specific purebred dog, you can find them in rescue. Um, and then for the smaller dogs, you know, the pugs and the Shih Tzus and the Pomeranians and the Chihuahuas, they can live 15 to 18 years. Oh, wow. Um, so, so you, when you get a puppy or when you gift a puppy at Christmas, which is a very popular thing, you got to ask yourself, am I gifting this 18 year responsibility or seven to 10 year responsibility um, with vet bills and all food, dog food, dog sitting, training, you know, I mean, you know, got to think, um, we got to think again when we do those kinds of things or when we take on the responsibility. Um, I think we would see less abandonment. Um, and nowadays, sadly, you know, what we've discovered doing our documentary is that the shelters are the last place you want to take your dog because they're not safe, beautiful, you know, spa-like environments where doggies get new homes. It's not that anymore. That is an idea of the past that doesn't exist in our country, just sadly anymore because of the overpopulation of canine companions. And there's not enough room, funding or staffing at these facilities to properly care for all the homeless dogs. Mm -hmm. and, and what is a common breed of dog um, that 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 go into shelters and everything? And what's a common breed of dog that most adopted and was like the rarest and the most difficult? I would say the most common breeds you'll find um, are the pit bull type breeds, the, any bully dog breeds. And nowadays, the Huskies and the German Shepherds. There are hundreds and hundreds of purebred, beautiful Huskies, puppies, older, young mama dogs. They're two years old, but they had a litter and they're sitting in shelters and sadly they're euthanized weekly um, because there's so many out there. Um, you know, when, when Game of Thrones came out, there was a time where, you know, the wolf looking dogs, the wolf types really attracted people to that breed. And I think people started breeding Huskies like crazy around that time. And then they realized that Huskies need a lot of activity um, you know, they'll get themselves into trouble if they're not properly guided because they are a breed that needs direction. They thrive on guidance, on training. Um, you can't just leave them be and go off to work all day and expect them to just be sitting on the couch with their paws crossed waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> as much as we love that. Um, oh, you know. I, I wish some of my dogs did that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think a lot of my journey is, is helping to educate other 
pet parents and dog lovers. Um, and, and to say, hey, if you're not a dog lover, that's okay. Um, you don't have to be, you don't have to adopt a dog, gift a dog, have a dog. Um, I think it's just about being kind and empathetic and understanding how our society and our communities get affected negatively if we're not responsible when it comes to companion animals. Um, you know, it, it affects every aspect of our society. Um, and so whatever speaks to people, I, I, I try to, you know, target different audiences for different things, because some people care more about, you know, where are my taxes going? Where is my money going? When you are paying taxes and they're taken towards city services, they're going to the shelter system partly. And a lot of the funds are not being used properly. And so I think we need to speak up more as citizens in our city council meetings and in our um, local governments. I think people forget how much power we have as voting citizens on any topic, not just animal welfare. Mm -hmm. And make sure you're barking up the right tree. You got to say that. So yeah, and you got to bark up the right tree. You know, um, you know, sadly, the animals don't have a voice. We are their voice. Um, so I think it's it's time to start using our voices to to help out a species that we've domesticated, that we've made this species. People are breeding them left and right, um, which is unfortunate. And some people don't mean to have accidental litters. They just didn't have the funds maybe for spay or neuter or they don't know about that. Um, and that's why I now started my nonprofit foundation, um, the Canine Condition Foundation, to help families who have dogs find a vet near them to spay and neuter and vaccinate and microchip their pets. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a very good idea. We'll talk more about the Canine Connection with uh, Jacqueline Pignol um, uh, here on the Mike Widener Show. But first, listen to the Mike Widener Show at the MikeWidenerShow.com, powered by SonicWeb Studios. Visit online at SonicWebStudios.com for all your needs. Look at a professional website without breaking your budget. Sonic Web Studios is the answer. Sonic Web Studios offers fast, affordable custom web designs that blow the competition way. Call today, 1-800-303-3960. That's 1-800-303-3960. Or email to support at sonicwebstudios.com. Mention Mike Widener's show. Get 20% off your first project. Sonic Web Studios, take your image to the next level. Also, time to give an official shout-out to our official sponsor of the Mike Widener Show, international warring author Mia Molson-Zia. If you love fast-paced mysteries, you love Missing by Mia Molson-Zia, available on Amazon in paperback and ebook. Missing is fast-paced and intriguing with an unforgettable twist. Takes place in four countries, two strangers, one target, where truth is illusion and those who love be the first go missing. It's available on Amazon in paperback and ebook. Missing by Mia Molson-Zia has got great reviews. And Eve Eleven and George Baha, which celebrities including Joanna Cassie, Forge Riley, m &Ms. So grab your copy today for goes Missing by Mia Molson-Zia, available on Amazon. Also, check out the Mike Weiner Show at themikewidenershow.com on our 40 podcast platforms. Heard 100 countries, including Facebook, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Music, BitChute, Rumble, Pandora, Podbean, and also on YouTube. And follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Threads, and more. Make sure you take us with you on any mobile device. And for great gift ideas, go to Amazon.com. Check out the Mike Weiner Show podcast. T-shirts, pop sockets, throw pillows, tote bags, hoodies, makes great gifts 24-7 for your family, friends, and your canine loved ones. Amazon.com slash Mia Check it out today and also support the um, Amazon.com slash Mike Widener Show. And um, check out Amazon.com slash Mia for great books like Missing, Once and Wrinkles, 
plus t-shirts, pop sockets, hoodies, phone cases, and more. Amazon.com slash me and Molson Zia. Check it out today and support the Mike Widener Show on Anchor FM, PayPal, and the Mike Widener Show.com. We're here with the amazing actress, director, producer, and of the canine condition here on the Mike Widener Show at Jacqueline Pignol. And before we get back to the canine condition and um, been an actress, director, and producer for quite some time, you, you're known in Bosch. Spider-Man and Spider-Man Mouse Morales. And, um, you know, tell us how you first got to acting and um, you got into Bosch and uh, the Spider-Man series. This is amazing. Oh, well, you know, I, I grew up in Los Angeles. So like any artist, you know, we seek opportunity for auditions. Um, you have to constantly network and study your craft. So, and that's what I've done since I was very young. Um, I've never stopped, you know, studying and collaborating with other actors and in theater, plays, classes. Um, and then you go to auditions and you here and there book the jobs, you know, and you build upon your resume and you get to know people. And um, I'm very happy and I feel very fortunate to, you know, be working enough to have that as my career and what I do for a living. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed that, that can, that's something I can always pursue. Mm -hmm. And that's really interesting, too. And it was a one precise moment that simply influenced into what you're doing for us, your career. Oh, gosh, I um, I randomly booked a movie uh, when I was very young and it was opposite Kevin Costner. And it was a very small role. But when I showed up to set um, and I, I didn't realize I didn't know what Sam Raimi looked like. I just knew he was the director. And I'm walking right by him and he says, hi. And I go, hey, <laughs> just like a, a casual, I thought he was a crew member. And I said, hello, and very sweet man. And then later they go, excuse me, everybody. Um, our director wants to have a word with everyone. And it was the guy who had said hi to me, you know. Just oh. <laughs> and, um, and he was so kind and so welcoming, but he was just like one of us, you know. And back then, you know, so young. And I thought like that there's like this, the upper echelons and I'm in the lowest totem pole and blah, blah, blah. And you sort of rank yourself because you're so young and I was new to everything. And what that movie did to me, even though it was such a small role, Kevin came on set and he could not have been kinder and more gentlemanlike. And I felt so welcome. And I felt like I had been doing it for years. It didn't even feel like my first movie. And I thought, wow, I can really do this. And I can fit in with, you know, the big names and like, it gave me confidence. It made me believe in myself and know that I was on, on the right path. And all I had to do was persevere. Um, and after that experience with, with the two of them, it was, it was just a lovely way to energize me and say, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. Mm -hmm. And that's really good as well too. And you're also working with uh, Johnny blue as well too. And uh, tell us how you got working with Johnny. Johnny and I met um, years ago and he's my life partner and he happened to have been um, one of the first non-Chinese artists of Mandarin Chinese pop music. Um, he loves the language. He lived in Asia for many years. Oh, wow. um, he's fluent in Mandarin. Um, and I, by chance, had just been to, to Beijing. I had studied Mandarin um, on a summer program, and I was volunteering out there uh, with an orphanage outside of Beijing, um, just because I I like to do things that are different. As an artist, I also need to step away from the industry. I need to go breathe fresh air somewhere else and have other experiences to fill my life. And at that time, that's what I was doing. And I came back home and I ran into him in LA. He was recording music in LA and I'd known him from high school. 
Oh, wow. Um, amazing. Johnny and I had, had crossed paths in high school, just, you know, casual hellos and knew who we were. And, um, but the fact that he knew Mandarin and I just studied it and I was very interested in the language and the culture, um, we really just were drawn to each other and, um, you know, the rest is history. Here we are <laughs> this documentary for the last seven plus years. And, um, and people warned us, if you're going to make a documentary, you're not going to make it overnight. And, Boy, were they right. Mm -hmm. well, well, speaking of history, I like to hear a little bit of uh, Mandarin for me. This sounds really interesting, even if it's dog language. Let's hear you speak some Mandarin. Like dogs is go. So I say I have five dogs. Um, and I said, I don't speak it very well. And unfortunately I lo I've lost a lot of it. Um, because if you don't practice it on the daily Mandarin is a language that's tonal and it just, it goes, the sound just goes. Now, Johnny still uses it and he has to use it in his professional life a lot, but it's funny. It's like you come home and then of course we're not going to speak to each other in Mandarin. So it's like, I'm a bad student. I really should have stuck to it more. Um, because I'm, I am a linguist and I, the, the romance languages do stick with, with me more. Mandarin is something you have to stay on top of when you're not immersed in the culture. To, to and of course, you can also talk to your dogs that way too, and they'll, they'll still love you for it. So. Oh yeah, well, I need, um, that means I love you. And I always say that to them. So, and they love it. They, I think they hear you because it is tonal, it's musical. So they start to cut their heads from side to side. And it's very cute. Oh, that's interesting. I really like that as well, too. And that's where you have the canine connections well, too. And of course, you know, you know, you're adopting Dublin and um, you're talking about your uh, journey and everything else with Dublin as well as part of the canine connection. Um, well, some other dogs that you had uh, before you had Dublin. You know, before Dublin, um, Johnny and I had gotten a pug. I had a pug uh, when I met John and I had a pug that I had gotten from Reader and Back then, I didn't know where else you would get a dog. I'd never had a dog. Um, I actually grew up afraid of dogs. And oh. this is a story that I share in the documentary, um, especially large breed dogs, because I'd been bit by a German shepherd as a child. Oh, my goodness. And, um, and that just scared me off. You know, so we never had dogs growing up. But this was in the early 2000s, you know, you know, just like, you know, you're in college, you're just, it, there's a lot going on and you're thinking, I want a puppy and this is where you get it. My friends are like, look online. And back then there was no social media, you know, it was just starting and like, it wasn't where you went to find things. You still went to a search. So you did a, an internet search and I found only breeders. Um, and it was years later when John and I met that we got a pug that we realized, oh my gosh, there are dogs for adoption. And we, we just didn't know, do you know what I mean? So I think that was part of the journey, but I think the shelter visit was the turning point for us. It wasn't going to a rescue in a foster home-based rescue where the dogs are well taken care of. It was like a bunch of dogs in jail cells and you're just, it's heartbreaking to see them on these concrete floors and and they don't get walked every day. They'll they'll not get walked for weeks sometimes. Because oh my goodness, woo! Yeah. So um, as it's a heartbreaking, tough topic to talk about sometimes, um, and a lot of people can get so emotional. But I think we have to get past our emotions, and instead of putting blinders on, we got to take the blinders off. Because um, if we want to make a real difference in our society, there's so many small things we can do to just make it better for humans and canines in our in our world. 
Mm-hmm. Now, now, assuming if somebody wants to uh, adopt a dog or a puppy from a shelter, just walk us through the process and how you correctly do it. Because, you know, people going blind, you know, um, oh, I love this cute little one. They just grab it. You know, what is the exact process that people should follow when it comes to adopting? So make that same mistake. There's there's a variety of ways. And the first thing you have to do before you visit the shelter is definitely like ask yourself, okay, do I own or do I rent? Because a lot of times if we rent, we have to find out if our landlord has a weight limit on the top we're going to get. Um, And if there's an additional uh, and um, monthly added rental fee or a deposit for having a pet, you know, a lot of families go and adopt, they come back. The landlord says, you can't have that dog here. And then the dog has just gotten used to its new family and they have to return the dog because the landlord gives them 72 hours to get rid of it. So those are the first steps before even visiting a shelter. Find out what can you accommodate and then ask everyone in, in your home, if it's not just you, how many hours is everyone home? And is everyone on the same page about training this dog who's going to come into a new environment? Um, what age do we want? Do we want to train a puppy potty training and get it from when it's baby like, or do we want an older dog that's settled in that we have to get used to? What are we looking for? Shedding, no shedding, like ask yourself all those questions. That way you have a very specific idea of what you want and then be open once you get to the shelter and to connect with a dog based on a, there's an emotional connection, a real vibe that we get kind of like with people. You'll walk into a room and there's some people you're more drawn to than others. You know, there's a vibe. Mm, right. Um, a- exactly. And- we know, we know how it is. There's an instant connection and there are people, there's some people look like, like that. <laughs> exactly. Like so dogs and cats. I know how it goes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think that those are some of the ways to inform yourself of like, is this the right dog for my lifestyle, my home, my hours, you know, when I'm home, when I can walk it. Um, and then also financially can, is, is a larger dog, you know, it's going to be more dog food, um, more expensive vet bills if something goes wrong, or do I want a smaller dog? Um, so things like that will set you up for better success when going to the shelter. than if you just walk in and think you're just going to walk away with the perfect dog, there's no such thing as a perfect dog. They're just, there is just that connection and your willingness as a human to say, this is the dog I want to train and guide and show love to and have it be my companion. Mm-hmm. And of course there's very breeds out there as well too. And there's people asking what is the easiest uh, breed or breeds, um, you know, to train and raise a dog and what is the most difficult and most challenging breed to raise a dog? I think, oh gosh, that's, that's a tough one because each dog is an individual and you can get within a breed, wonderful, obedient, easy to train dog. Like I have pity mixes, pit bull type dog mixes. I love the pities. I'm a big advocate of educating people on the love and loyalty and kindness um, of the pit bull type dogs. And I have one Huckleberry who was so easy to train. The trainer after, because I brought him in from Georgia. I've met him on my travels in a shelter in Dublin, Georgia. I had gone to Dublin because we had a dog named Dublin. So I'm all connecting these dots. And then um, Huckleberry was very easy to train. The trainer even said to me, you know, he listens on the spot. Like we don't have to spend a whole lot of time teaching him things. And then when we had Dublin trained, she was our first large breed dog. He, they were like, she is stubborn. Oh boy, is she stubborn? She has a mind of her own and she does not want to listen until you really sit with her and make her listen and repeat each exercise 20 or 40 times. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wow. So I think it's a personality thing. I think they're just like humans within their breeds. 
they, some are more quirky, some are quieter, more shy. Um, so I think it also, you should ask yourself what kind of energy level. And, and the thing is at the shelter, they'll have minimal information, but some information on the type of dog. And then if you're stuck on a purebred dog that you want to get from a shelter, you'll see them, you'll see them, but then get educated on the breed. Um, a lot of people are in love with the golden doodles nowadays. They love doodles. Mm -hmm. Wonderful doodles. Well, guess what? So many doodles get purchased from breeders and then shortly after get turned into a shelter because the breeders won't take them back. Wow. I, because golden doodles need training. They are not an easy breed. And if they don't get properly trained, they, they can bite kits. I've seen it happen. Um, doesn't mean it's the dog's fault, but if you expected the perfect little fluffy puppy that doesn't shed, that isn't what they are. They are living sentient beings who need to be trained, you know? So I, I try, try to help just spread the word. Um, there's always so much information to learn from before you make such a big commitment. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not just, I'm not one to, to, you know, be like, Hey, go adopt. It's like, wait, wait, wait. First, be sure you're ready. Are you ready to take it on? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And what else should people know? What else should people know about um, adopting dogs as part of the canine connection? What else can people learn from it? And what else should people know before they adopt? Well, I think that, you know, money-wise, it is cheaper to, to adopt from a shelter. And they are going to give you the dog spayed or neutered and vaccinated. Um, it is a lower fee. But you're going to know less about the dog. So you're going to have to do a lot of that work. Um, if you go to a nonprofit volunteer dog rescue, which you can find many of um, online, you can follow our Instagram page and we recommend tons of dog rescues that we find that are reputable, that are trustworthy, that are foster based. So if you want a dog that has lived in a foster home that you can see has, you know, the foster parents have kids and a cat and a big dog and a little dog, then you know that dog is already kind of has its its routine down and the environment down. So moving into your home, if it's similar, may not be such a big change. So you'll be you'll know more. And the adoption fee is a little bit higher, but they have also done all of the vetting. And it's been it's been mildly trained, for lack of a better term, because they come from a foster home where they're probably potty trained as well and crate trained. And um, you're just going to have a lot more information. And the reputable rescues will always take the dog back if it doesn't work out. Mm. Um, or they will help you. They will give you resources because they do want it to work out. They're very picky on how they choose adopters, but it's for your own good. Um, they're not being judgmental of you. They're just saying, hey, we know this dog really well. We don't think this one's a good match. Hey, but maybe this one's a good match. So I think we just have to be a little more flexible and um, expect less from these beings. I think people expect too much and then they set them up for failure. Mm -hmm. And what about purchasing pets from uh, Petco, PetSmart or your um, local pet shop? So I don't recommend buying from pet stores. We actually frown upon that. Um, a lot of actual uh, stores, at least in, in certain parts of the country, I do know that they don't sell dogs anymore. Um, a lot of them are private and boutique stores that we don't support simply because the dogs come from puppy mills, um, which is basically a puppy factory where they're just breeding the mom and dad dogs over and over and over again. Each heat cycle, they take their puppies away and they sell them behind these glass cages or at the puppy stores. But a lot of them are sick. 
and you won't know it until you get home and the dog starts to settle in. And it's like, it's like when we're running on adrenaline and then when we finally have a moment to rest and decompress, we get a cold or we get mm -hmm. a flu. You know, right. it's the same thing with the dogs. They're running on adrenaline. They're being moved at a very young age. They're living in these cages with other dogs, lots of barking, big lights, lots of people, constant, constant. When they finally get it purchased and go into a home, they decompress and they come down with all kinds of illnesses. And oh, some, wow. of them, some of them, it's, it's very common to get parvo or distemper as a young puppy. If the vaccines were not given at a certain time, if the hygiene wasn't proper in their young age. And then what happens is parvo and distemper are so incredibly expensive to treat and you, you're not guaranteed the dog will survive. Um, so then people have poured thousands of dollars into this puppy and then they lose the puppy and no one's going to give them their money back. Oh um, the my pet gosh. store is the pet store is, is, is a purchase. You are like, they are selling you an item. Like they sell you a pair of boots and they don't take refunds, returns or exchanges. So, um, to support those businesses is to support them exploiting the mom and dad dogs in the puppy mills. And you keep that chain alive. Mm -hmm. We're trying to minimize. And there are a lot of wonderful organizations in this country, um, two that I can think of, CAPS, Companion Animal Protection Society, and Bailing Out Benji. CAPS is based in West and East Coast. They do national work. And Bailing Out Benji is based in Iowa. And they do national work on trying to educate people on this. Mm -hmm. There's actual data and evidence. So it's not an opinion piece. It really is. There is there's evidence that this is what happens. And I think we should be a little more empathetic and conscientious and, and not purchase puppies from stores. Mm -hmm. And what about getting dogs from a farm? Well, you know, and that's different because a lot of times when the farm dogs... They, they're not if they're not mistreated they're not being abused or neglected you know if a dog had a litter and the farmer or the people that own it say they want that those dogs to go to good homes it'd be wonderful to safely get those dogs spay and neuter them and then you know that that's how we even at the canine condition foundation help families who even have had accidental litters we want to spay and neuter the puppies and the mom and dad dog and then you know we help connect them with people who can find them good homes because we don't adopt out dogs at our foundation we just do basic bedding and spay and neuter but um but i think that there's no harm in, in in helping each other i think sometimes when that happens and you find a dog on a farm or if it's not the right fit because not all dogs like cows or chickens or horses and if the farmer has other livestock and everything it's not safe for the dog then they need to rehome the dog it'd be nice to find families who can take those dogs to other environments mm -hmm. and that's really good to know as well too and and you also have the canine conditions part of a podcast so it's an extension we'll talk about it in just one minute with uh, jacqueline pignol listen to the mike widener show at the mike show.com powered by sonic web studios and brought to you by our official sponsor, the Mike Widener Show, international warring author Mia Molson's The Missing. We'll be back with Jacqueline Pignol of the Canine Condition after this time. The Mike Wagner Show is powered by Sonic Web Studios. If you're looking to start or upgrade your online presence, visit www.sonicwebstudios.com for all of your online needs. Call 1-800-303-3960 or visit us online at www.sonicwebstudios.com to get started today. Mention the Mike Wagner Show and get 20% off your project. Sonic Web Studios. Take your image to the next level. Hey everybody, my name is Forbes Riley and I'm an American actress and a TV host. And I was delighted when I got my copy of Missing, which is Extraordinary Relation of Ordinary People based on a real life relationship. It's just, it's well written. It's amazing. 
you know, it talks about a man who has lost his wife and his daughter, and it's very well done. I'm going to highly recommend that you go get your copy of Missing. It is a powerful, exciting read. Mr. Mian Moshazia. He is the author of Missing. And I want to give a big shout out and a kiss all the way halfway around the world to my dear friend. Check him out at Mia's website. It's called www.miamotionzea.com. Missing, available on Amazon. Again, I'm Forbes Riley, and I will see you again soon. Bye-bye. Hey, hey, this is Ray Powers, and boy, are you in luck. Right place, right time. Tuned in to the Mike Wagner Show. You heard me. We're back with the multi-talented Jacqueline Pignol of the Canine Condition here on the Mike Widener Show. Lots of great information regarding dogs, how to adopt dogs, what not to do, what not to do, and not just the movie, but also have a podcast. And uh, tell us more about that. Yes. Yeah, so um, when 2020 rolled around, as we all know, we all had to stop and uh, we, there was nothing for us to, to do out in the world, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to we had just finished filming most of our series we were ready to start post-production with a few pickups and we couldn't there was there was no way to work so I thought how can I keep helping or keep the message alive or keep the conversation going and I thought let me start a podcast and so instead of funding because we couldn't at the time do more episodes with more rescues around the country I reached out to rescue organizations around the country that I would want to to cover and we did a podcast episode with that organization. So I have two seasons out so far, each is 25 episodes and each one is dedicated to an organization around the country, um, big cities, small towns, everywhere in the USA to give people an idea of the kind of work that's being done. You know, there are amazing volunteer places that are working with dogs um, when veterans uh, have to take a medical leave when they are not well and they need their dogs cared for there are places for that there are places that turn that that train rescued dogs to be companion animals for veterans with ptsd um there are other foundations that help give therapy to children um, from abuse in homes that are in the foster system and they meet up with dogs that are rescued and there's a therapeutic you know, like a, an exchange that happens there. There's a, there's a foundation in Chicago that, that does that. Um, and I just think there's so much out there for us to learn and do. Um, I was fascinated. I'm going to bring the podcast back in 2024. Um, in 2023, we focused on finishing the documentary, entering into festivals. We've won several awards with a few of the episodes and we're, we're going to finish our festival film festival circuit and then get back to the podcast. And where can we find your podcast and the movie at? So the podcast is, you know, and all the channels that, that, you know, people love to listen to their favorite podcasts, just like yours, mm-hmm. um, just like the Mike Wagner show. <laughs> right. Yeah. 40 yeah. podcast platforms. And um, we encourage you to do the same thing. And if you get up there in numbers, that'd be great too. I salute you. All right. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and then as far as the documentary, until we finish the film festival circuit, we're, we're not, uh, we don't have a distribution. Um, but it's, it's important to us to go to these festivals. It's important to, to get it out there. And we do um, a lot of workshops with people where, you know, we can screen it and then talk about it and educate people on the different episodes. We went to Georgia and Pennsylvania and New Jersey, New York, Arizona, California, and um, Illinois. 
Wow. So okay. we covered a little bit of each part of the country to give you a taste of what's happening with the canine condition in this country. Okay. We'll certainly check that out as well, too. We're here with uh, Jacqueline Pignol of the Canine Condition here on the Mike Wagner Show. And just a couple more things, Jacqueline. What else can we expect from you in 2023 and beyond? So when we bring the podcast back, um, we hope to be working on distribution. We want to get this series out. My biggest goal is to be able to tell everyone where you can watch it. Right now it's two seasons and it's 14 episodes total. And we do it in small, it's under 30 minutes. Each episode is anywhere from 10 to 25 minutes. I think small doses is better, concentrated content per episode. Um, but you can really follow the journey and see where we started and where it ends and it leaves it open for us to possibly continue if there was ever anyone out there that wanted to help us fund continuing this mission. Um, and then for us, it'll be the Canine Condition Foundation. We just launched it this past summer, um, and we're constantly looking for grants and donations because we spay and neuter people's pets. We want to raise money, and what we do is we pay the bill 100%. Um, nice. No questions asked. I think it's really important to support families who can't afford it, who can't prioritize a spay neuter. Um, we don't want to shame anyone. We don't want to make anyone feel bad. We don't need to, you know, a lot of these city programs that offer low cost or free, they make you show proof of income or low income. That to me is silly. We don't need to do that to people. We need to be like, hey, you need help. You want to spay neuter your dog? Let's do it. Let's find a vet near you. Let us raise the funds and let's let us pay the bill. So um, that's my big mission for 2024. And that's a really good idea as well, too. Bark up the right tree on that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> And also, who do you consider biggest influence in the career? Oh, my goodness. That's a big question. Um, who is my biggest influence? Oh, gosh. I, I have to say... You know, I, I have so many teachers and collectively the coaches and teachers that I've had since college, my drama teacher in college, Diane Benedict, to Steven Anderson, who was my coach for years um, here in Los Angeles, um, two of the biggest influences in my life to not only um, be a better actor, but to stay in love with my art, to be in love with my art and to pursue learning it more by by getting educated out in the world with more things. It makes you a better actor when you're a more interesting person because you've lived experiences outside of just trying to be an actor. Oh, that's amazing as well, too. And I'm sure Fido is also part of it, along with Fluffy, Brittany, Butch, and more. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, thank you. Thank you so much, Mike. And also, uh, what's the best advice you can give to anybody at this point? I think anywhere you find yourself in life, I, two things. Number one, find a passion that feeds your soul, that gives you the, the energy and the determination to, to get up in the morning and do something. And in some way, work that work in volunteering or charity work into your life. Whatever cause speaks to you, whether it's children, the elderly, the environment, animals, um, anything. I think we're at a place in the world where there are a lot of places that need us to give back to our own world and uh, find what speaks to you and and pursue it. Mm -hmm. And that's very important to do as well, too. We're here with um, Jacqueline Pignol of the Canine Condition here on the Mike Wagner Show. Jacqueline, very big thank you for your time. You've been absolutely fantastic. Learned a lot from you. Looking forward to having you again soon. Keep us up to date. Keep in touch. Laugh to have you back. Once again, what's your website? How do people contact you? Where can people uh, check out your works, purchase, 
or support your uh, canine condition? Oh, so we are very big on Instagram and it's at the canine condition. The word canine spelled out. Uh, we're on Facebook, the Canine Condition Foundation, um, and we are very transparent. You can't miss us. You you can also just Google it, and we will pop right up. Um, we love to help, and we love to um, get help. So I think it's a two way street with us. So please, uh, I would love to hear from people um, and to connect with the Canine Condition on Instagram or Facebook. And we'll certainly do that as well, too. Once again, Jack, I'm a very big thank you for your time. You've been absolutely amazing. Looking forward to having you again soon. Keep us up to date. Keep in touch. Love having you back. Wish you all best. And Jacqueline, you definitely have a great future ahead of you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much. You too. The Mike Wagner Show is powered by Sonic Web Studios. If you're looking to start or upgrade your online presence, visit www.sonicwebstudios.com for all of your online needs. Call 1-800-303-3960 or visit us online at www.sonicwebstudios.com to get started today. Mention The Mike Wagner Show and get 20% off your project. Sonic Web Studios, take your image to the next level. Hey everybody, my name is Forbes Riley and I'm an American actress and a TV host. And I was delighted when I got my copy of Missing, which is Extraordinary Relation of Ordinary People based on a real life relationship. It's just, it's well written, it's amazing. You know, it talks about a man who has lost his wife and his daughter and it's very well done. I'm gonna highly recommend that you go get your copy of Missing. It is a powerful, exciting read. Mr. Mian Moshazia, he is the author of Missing. And I wanna give a big shout out and a kiss all the way halfway around the world to my dear friend. Check him out at Mia's website. It's called www.miamoshenzea.com. Missing, available on Amazon. Again, I'm Forbes Riley and I will see you again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Mike Wagner Show. Brought to you by international award-winning author Mia Mosinzia of Missing. And powered by Sonic Web Studios. Be sure to join us again on over 40 podcast platforms. And of course, on the MikeWagnerShow.com, HamiltonRadio.net, and Diamonds FM. Don't forget to support our program with a generous donation at the MikeWagnerShow.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>